Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into this edition of the podcast. We appreciate your time as always as Phil and I talk investing, finance, and retirement, and all sorts of good things here on the show. And this week we're going to talk about this one's on the house. So if you mosey up to your favorite uh, watering hole, sometimes you might get lucky and they say this one's on the house. Maybe not. But uh, we're going to talk about the actual house and how it kind of plays into some things for retirement. So let's jump into this a little bit. So paying off the house as soon as we can or enjoying these these rates that we're finding now, a lot of people did refis this year, yeah. uh, pay it off slowly. Where do you stand on that debate? And this is always an interesting topic to, to get into with clients. And um, to me personally, I, I take a different view on the house. I mean, a lot of people look at it as an investment, you know, it, it's um, something definitely of value. Um, but it's not really an investment. I mean, if you look at it, what is an investment? An investment is is an asset that generates income or, or growth that you okay. can use. Well, does a house really do that? And yeah, it might grow in value, should, typically does over time, but there's a lot of expenses just to have it. I mean, just owning it, you have insurance and taxes, just as two of them, not to mention maintenance. Yeah. You know, so starting off really kind of spinning isn't, isn't really an investment the way I look at it, you know? So if you look at it that way, um, I look at it as a place to live is really all it is. Um, so my personal preference is to, to look at it more, what did it cost me to live there or to live somewhere? Okay. And if you view it that way, probably doesn't make sense to pay it off, you know, keep the, the cost of ownership, so to speak, as low as you can. Right. Um, because the, the flip side to, to understand in a house too is that your equity in a home doesn't grow in value. And it's kind of odd to say and think about, but you have to separate the growth of the home, the value of the home from the equity. The, the value of the home is going to go up and down irregardless of how much equity. And equity is simply meaning the difference between what you owe the bank and what it's worth. Right. You know, so yeah, that's going to change based on how quickly you pay off the home, but you don't earn anything on your equity. You earn the growth happens on the value of the house. No, I'm following you. And because if so a lot of it, people find themselves in that, that, well, I have enough, to, we, we get questions like that. Well, I have enough to yep. pay off the house. Should, should I just, just go ahead and do yeah. it so I don't have it on my head? And it's like, well, if you have enough, then you have enough whenever you feel like it. You could just sit there with it in, you know, in an account of some sort. Uh, especially if it's one that's more liquid and that way, if you needed to pay it off, you could, but yes. you don't have to it, it, rush. And that's the other aspect of having a paid off house. My preference is always going to be having a house with a mortgage with a reasonable interest rate and payment that fits into a budget and then having more liquid assets. Because in that scenario, you're, you're in more control of your finances. If a need comes up, you have the liquid assets to cover that need Yeah. versus if I've taken a lot of my liquid assets and paid off the house. Yeah. Now I don't have the home payment. So it's not hovering over my head, so to speak. I don't have to budget for it. But if you have a need for the, the assets from the house, the equity, that's not very easy to get. I mean, if it later in life, if you needed that money back out, that equity out of the house, you either have to go to the bank and ask for a loan 
sell it or do a reverse mortgage. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there are ways to get it, but it's just much more cumbersome. It's not as easy. Well, and for so. some people, you know, it's just going to come down to the straight emotion. I just want it gone. I want it off my head. Yep. And sometimes there's no combating that with, with math or whatever the case might be. They just want it done. And that's okay. Uh, but just be prepared for some of the other things. No matter what your decision, it's not necessarily right or wrong, but just kind of be prepared to handle the, the consequences either way. Absolutely. And that's when we go through this discussion with clients, we always have the, that discussion. And then I always end with, you know, the bottom line with any decision, but like with the house, there's two rules that apply, right? There's the head rule and there's that tummy rule, I call it, right? <laughs> yeah. I just gave you all the head rules. These are the math. This is the, you know, the data behind it. And why I say probably doesn't make sense. Right. But like you just mentioned, at the end of the day, if you're still not comfortable doing that and you would just rather not have the mortgage and have it paid off, then do it. That's the tummy rule. If it's going to keep you up at night, you know, and you're worried about it, then absolutely. Yep. You know, there, it's not a thing that's absolutely right or wrong. Uh, The downsize question also comes into play a lot. Now there's tons of reasons, Phil, to potentially downside. Uh, Money is certainly can be one, but, what about the physical side of things? A lot of people maybe can't physically have that two story or larger home anymore. Yard maintenance, going up and downstairs, whatever. Yeah. And that's something we work with a lot of our clients on as they're moving from that family home, the home that they've had and raised their kids in and, you know, had four or five bedrooms, whatever it is, maybe it was a colonial, you know, now they're trying to downsize. They still want to keep a room or two for when the kids come back, but maybe they want to go to a ranch. Right. You know, and those are all considerations you have to go through. And it's pretty typical to, to want to downsize. Um, and especially if you're in a colonial, I mean, if you've already set up, you're in a ranch, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense. Um, and something, especially now that comes up very often when you look at the whole concept of downsizing, because you mentioned one of the reasons is money. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be beneficial financially to downsize because you may be downsizing physically in size. Because if you go from a colonial to a ranch, right. a ranch is more expensive per square foot yeah. than a colonial is. So you might actually get a smaller home and it might be the same or higher. Right, exactly. But the bigger aspect, at least in Michigan, is, is how property taxes work. Is your property taxes, if this has been your family home and you've raised the kids in it and had it for 25, 30 years or more, mm-hmm. you've been capped on what those property taxes have grown at each year. Now, if you go into a brand new house that even if it's the same current value that your house is today, you're going to probably see a significant increase in your property taxes. Yeah, for sure. Just because you're going into a brand new property tax rating, so to speak, and, and value which is uncapped. It starts all over again based on what you purchased the home for. So, and, and a lot of these, to be careful of. no, very simple. And it's, that's one of the reasons why working with an advisor a lot of times can help you because you're going to get some of that data that you may just not know. You simply yeah. just are looking at it going, you know what? My knees just can't take those stairs anymore. Let's just get a different house. And again, just like the first question, that may yeah. wind up being the end result, but at least be armed with some of the other data so you can make, you know, that the smartest decision for you. Yep. So, yep. all right. Uh, rental property. I did mention that earlier. So a lot of people do get 
uh, very, they get very excited. They really want to do the rental property thing. You know, this is a great way to generate income in retirement. Uh, where do you kind of fall with that? A lot of people have tried it also and they're like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So rental properties are, are an interesting uh, investment vehicle. It's, it can be very good. And I, I come from personal experience. My dad owned a lot of rental properties. That was his career. That's what okay. he did. Um, but he is the reason I own none. Um, other than the, the, my, my, my building that my office is located in. Having rental properties can be very difficult, you know, because tenants just don't take care of a, a yeah. rented house the way they do if it's their own. Yeah. You know, um, the 2 a.m. toilet calls, do you want those? Exactly. I mean, it, you have all the responsibility for the main maintenance of that house, unless you're hiring a third party property manager. And then budget which, for that. I was going to say that's great because that takes some of that headache off you, but understand the cost, yeah. you know, and there, there comes a piece of your profit, so to speak, out of this. So again, it, it kind of depends on where you fit in it. If you're looking at a, a passive type investment, probably not a really good idea. And it's not liquid, gonna, so make sure you, you it, understand that. It's absolutely not liquid, you know. Yeah. And if you're leveraging it, so you're using a mortgage to, to purchase these, just be careful because... When it works, it works really good. But if we get into a downturn in an economy or something happens and rents drop or you lose tenants, you still have the mortgage payment. Right. Yeah. You know, so just like any investment vehicle, it could work. Understand the pros and cons and then make that decision of, of whether it fits. And you never know what life's going to throw at you. Now, if you've ever had a rental property before or a bad tenant, it can be very difficult to get rid of a bad oh, tenant in many, many states. And now, right now with the COVID thing, as people have probably seen, there's yeah. even another layer where they're not allowing folks to be evicted. So even if they're just destroying the place or whatever the case might be. Yeah. So and again, not trying to talk anybody out of it. There's, I, there's tons of good renters out there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a handy type of person and you're looking for something to like do it. in retirement, rental properties might be a great avenue because yeah. it'll give you something to do. There's always going to be something to do yep. on, the, on the rental properties and keep you active and doing fix it and home type stuff all the time. But the, the downside to that is understand your aging, you know, and that's kind of where my dad is. Fortunately, and we'll get into this kind of in another point, but he's now at the point where he's um, almost out of the business. He's got rid of most of his properties okay. so, because yeah. he was aging and it's, you know, right. it, it gets difficult to climb on the roof anymore and, and, you know, fix the toilet or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. You just get to the point where you're like, ah, I don't think it's back to that knees, <laughs> the knees. Exactly. Exactly. Again. All right. Well then we'll wrap it up with this, Phil. What complications, if any, do you experience or have you seen for folks when it comes to real estate, when it breaks down to the estate or the legacy plan. Now, whether it's having extra properties or just your single home or a vacation home or whatever the case is, just in general, some estate and legacy planning issues that can, that can arise that people might want to think about. Sure. Well, like you had mentioned, I mean, it's, it is not a liquid asset, you know, um, it, it takes time other than now. I mean, we're in a very unusual market, at least here in Michigan. I mean, homes, depending on value and, and location go extremely quick. I mean, they're not on the market the country, for yeah. 24 hours hardly. And, and there's multiple offers and boom, they're gone, you know? Yeah. So it's just a crazy time. Um, but in a normal market, it's not a very liquid asset. It takes time. And even in this kind of a market, yeah, you might get a, a sale 
you know, an approved offer, accepted offer, but it still could take two months to close, depending on what kind of snafus you reach in that closing scenario. So just understand it's not liquid. It's not like an investment that, hey, I need to pay for the funeral or for whatever it is. I can just go call the the broker on the phone and your advisor and say, you know, I need $30,000, liquidate something and, and send me the check. And I'd imagine also clearing things up if you have more than one child probably becomes yeah. an issue as well, right? It's, yeah, yeah, because of the illiquidity, it's not easily devised, you know, divisible. You and know, if you may have that the- one person, I really want the home and the other one, I don't care, oh, yeah. or two people want the home. Yeah, it's just, if you can work all that out ahead of time, it's certainly helpful. And uh, Will's yeah. things that nature, we're actually going to do a, a future podcast on some of that stuff as well. But that can go a long way, I would imagine. Yeah, especially like a second home that'll come into play a lot of times where maybe there's a cottage and, you know, one or two of the kids or how many ever want the cottage and they'd really like to maintain it. Right. And maybe mom and dad, that's their dream and why they've had it is they want it to be there as a family cottage. But the other kids are like, hey, I don't really care about it. Or they're, they're out of state. You know, they're not, they're not coming back to Michigan in our case and, and visiting that often. So doesn't really make sense for them. But then you know, how so do you it, balance just, it, right? Because then they might right, be like, exactly, well, if Johnny's getting yeah. the cottage, what do I get? You know? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and if mom and dad are thinking, well, we're going to set up a trust to take care of the cottage because that was a family legacy that we wanted. Right. Well, but does that really fit? Yeah. So yeah. again, it's, it's like any other asset or part of your overall financial plan. Understand where it fits. Do the planning and the discussions and work that out ahead of time. Yep. Well, you know, gee, but it just does, does add another layer of complications. It seems as though there's a theme in all of that, Phil. Do some planning, right? <laughs> do some planning. Do some planning. Have the, the discussions and think it through ahead of time. That's right. It goes a long way. Obviously, it's one of the reasons we do the podcast, you know, so is to try to provide a few useful nuggets of information. So it can go a long way to help a lot of different things when it comes to our retirement years uh, and leaving a legacy and so on and so forth. So as always, you know what to do. If you got questions, uh, then go ahead and reach out to Phil. I've got the number on the screen there. You can also, I guess for those folks not watching, I should probably say it, right? It's 248-888-7530. Don't forget to subscribe to us on philstaxhacks.com. Go to the website and pick Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever platform you like to use for podcasting. I hit the heart button or the follow button or whatever one it is for various apps, use different things. And that way you get future episodes as well as you can check out past episodes. And you can find it all at philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. And we will see you next time here on the show investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.